Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Seminary Unboxed, the official podcast of Wesley Biblical Seminary. I'm Dr. Matt Ayers, your host of Seminary Unboxed and president of Wesley Biblical Seminary. And today we continue, uh, not in our series on Revelation, which we're pausing from, but rather um, a look at my new, my newly released Holy Spirit book, an introduction published by Seedbed, came out last week or two weeks ago. And this will be the second episode on the topic of the Holy Spirit, specifically on the content of the book. This is not an exhaustive study by the Holy, of the Holy Spirit, because there is no such thing. You cannot exhaust them, but uh, this is not a full-orbed um, investigation or um, you know exploration of the Holy Spirit, but rather uh, from the content of the book itself. So um, last episode I talked about why I wrote the book. Now I want to get into the introduction to the book itself and just give a summary. Um, I talk in the introduction about holiness as the starting point. Uh, for understanding uh, the Holy Spirit and for doing a study on the Holy Spirit, namely the holiness of God. And um, holiness in its most basic sense means uh, set apart or different or other than. And, you know, not everyone embraces that definition. Uh, I would say holiness in the Old Testament in particular uh, is the basic notion of being set apart or qualitatively different or other than. One of my colleagues at Western Biblical Seminary would say, no, holiness is self-giving love. And I understand what he means by that. He would argue that uh, if we talk about holiness as other, uh, that's in relation to God as he relates to the created order. And before the created order, God eternally existed. So there is no sense of otherness within the internal life of the Holy Trinity prior to the creation. And so, you, other than what? There's nothing to be other than in terms of the internal life of the Holy Trinity, so it must be self-giving love. Um, and I don't deny that, that fact. However, um, we can't say, when we look at the story of Exodus chapter 3, where God says to Moses, take off your shoes, for the ground on which you're standing is self-giving love. Uh, it's different. It's set apart. The, the first time the word holy appears, the Hebrew word for holy appears in the Old Testament, or in the Bible itself, uh, is in Genesis 1, where God sets apart the seventh day, sanctifies it. Um, it, it wouldn't make sense to say, and God made the seventh day holy love um, as a part of the creation process. It, no, he sets it apart. He makes it distinct, qualitatively different than the rest of the days. The other days are work days, days one through six, and the seventh day is a rest day. So it's different than the other six days. It's not necessarily holy love. So in any case, my operating definition of holiness as a starting point for understanding the Holy Spirit is qualitative different, uh, uh, differentness. Uh, and so, but what do we mean by this when we say that God is different? Well, he's in a different category than the created being in, in several respects. Uh, but one is that um, he is eternal. He has no beginning. Um, I want to point out that John 3.16, of course, says that he, those who believe in him shall have eternal life. And you say, well, we can be eternal too, uh, because the Bible says that we have eternal life. And um, I think a better translation of John 16 would be everlasting life. So what I mean with regard to God's eternality is the fact that he's infinite. He has no beginning and no end, whereas all created things have a beginning. We don't believe as Christians, because God doesn't reveal in Scripture, that material creation or even spiritual creation uh, is eternal. That is, is infinite, has no beginning. No, we believe there was a time in which it didn't exist, and then God spoke it into being. This is the doctrine of creation ex nihilo, creation out of nothing. And so, God is distinct from the creation in that he is 
eternal. He is infinite. He is unbound. He has no beginning and no end. He transcends time and space. He transcends all created things. And this unbounded nature of God um, is wrapped up in the name of God as he reveals in Exodus 3.14, I am the I am. When Moses says to God, well, if you send me to the Israelites to rescue them from Egypt and they ask me who you are, what shall I say? What is your name? He says, I am who I am. And grammatically, when we say that even in English and even in the original Hebrew, um, it is unbound. Usually you know, we have something to follow that I am what? Fill in the blank. But it's, it's, it's nothing. It's empty after that. Just I am. I am unbound. He's saying I'm transcendent. I'm not bound by anything. I'm not bound by time and space. So... Um, so here's the here's the difficulty and this is where the holy spirit comes in this notion of infinitude is impossible for a finite container to understand we can't wrap our minds around this as human beings our experience is limited to that which is bound Um, take for example time we can't be in the past present and future all at once as created beings Um, we are bound by time where god can because he's not bound by time he transcends time the same is true of space I can't be here uh, where I'm sitting now in New Jersey and in Mississippi at the same time as much as I'd like to be. Um, However, God is not bound by space. I am bound by space. I can't be everywhere at once. But God is omnipresent everywhere at once. He's not bound in any way by space. We depend on the creation as created beings. Um, Just for an example, as humans, we need oxygen, we need food. We need the organs of our body, so on and so forth. Well, God doesn't need anything that's created for his existence. He is totally independent and unbound. And so we can't, we're finite. We can't wrap our minds around this. God is too big for us to understand, Um, which is why sacrament or or mystery is at the heart of all biblical doctrine, because God in his essence is mystery, mystery. We can't fully know him because he's bigger than our minds can comprehend. Okay, so where does the Holy Spirit come in? And what does this have to do with an introduction to the Holy Spirit? Well, this means that we need help understanding him and knowing him. And the Holy Spirit is that helper. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper. Now, when Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper, he's talking about a lot of different things helping uh, us to overcome temptation and to be victorious in our Christian living is certainly one of the dynamics at play. But I'm applying it and employing it in 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 a broader sense that we need the Holy Spirit to understand the Holy Spirit. So one of the first lessons in studying the Holy Spirit is you can't understand him without his help. He has to help us appropriate, understand God. He, as the third person of the Holy Trinity, we can't understand him with our own human faculties and devices because he overflows the banks of human reason, which is why we can only understand God or the Holy Spirit if he reveals himself to us in a way that we can understand. And so this is kind of like the beginning step. When we say the holiness of God, the otherness of God, the infinitude of God, the eternality of God, and all that divine, all those divine qualities, the Holy Spirit has as the third person of the Holy Trinity, co-equal, co-eternal, and indivisibly united with God the Father and God the Son. So if we're going to pause and go, what do I need to know about the Holy Spirit? Lesson number one, you can't understand the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit's help. So we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to us. We can't inquire of him. We can't get to know him. We cannot relate to him 
There's nothing that we can know about the Holy Spirit without the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be thinking, well, what about the Bible? Well, the Bible is the work of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Well, I can know about the Holy Spirit if I read Scripture. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit has revealed himself in Scripture. So we wouldn't have Scripture without the Holy Spirit. So we're depending on divine help, the divine assistance of the Holy Spirit to understand the Holy Spirit. What's interesting is that we don't only need the Holy Spirit's help to understand the Holy Spirit, but also understand the Father and the Son. We don't know who God is if we don't know who Jesus is, and the Holy Spirit brings Jesus into the world through the virgin birth. It is by the Holy Spirit that Mary was pregnant with Jesus. And it is by the Holy Spirit that we can understand who Jesus is, that he interprets the meaning and the personhood of Jesus Christ to worshiping believers. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't just help us in understanding him, the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the divine, who God the Father is and who Jesus is. And so in our study, we go, all right, we want to understand, this is an introduction to the Holy Spirit. What's the first thing we got to know? First thing we got to know is you can't understand him. In order to understand him, we need grace and we need his self-revealing activity. We're asking him to come and reveal himself to us. So the otherness of God, the holiness of God. But let's take a turn here. The holiness of God is not just about his otherness with regard to his infinitude, his eternality, the fact that he's of a totally different quality than created beings. And in theology, we'd say he's of a completely ontological ontologically different category. He's an uncreated being. We are created beings. But there's another dynamic to his holiness, and that is his ethics. That he is he is other in the sense that he is incorruptibly good. And that is unlike anything in the creation. Because the creation once existed, never at one point didn't exist and now does exist, it means it's created with potentiality. Potentiality Uh, for growth, actualization, and realization, but also potentiality for corruption. So things in the creation can be good, and God declares in the creation, and God, you know, spoke light into being, saw that it was good. And he says it's good, but it's corruptible because it has potentiality built into it because there was a point in which it never existed. But God is incorruptibly good. He's immutable. He doesn't change. And because he doesn't change, he's incorruptibly good, he's always good, he's purely good, there's no death in him, and him is only life. Um, And this is another way in which he is holy or distinct from created things. Not just in the fact that he transcends time and space, is unbound, infinite, but also incorruptibly good. Okay, so what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, this means that when the Holy Spirit reveals himself to us so that we can understand him, it will always be for the life and the good of the beloved. That is, the Holy Spirit, if we want to understand him, we need him to come to us. And if we ask him to come to us and to reveal himself to us, he will do so in a way that is for the edification of the inquirer, the one who's inquiring. And the one, he comes to the one who's inquiring, who comes with humility and submission and with a heart posture of seeking to love and obey God. He's not going to come and reveal himself to those who are seeking to rebel against him. Jesus says, don't cast pearls to swine. He's going to reveal himself to those who are seeking a personal relationship with him for the edification and the sustaining of life of the individual or the body, the collective group seeking to understand him. And so... Lesson number one, this is the introduction of the book and studying the the Holy Spirit, is that we need his help in understanding him if we really want to know him. Lesson two, 
when we seek for his help and understanding who he is, we have to anticipate, we have to do so with a heart posture of listening and obeying and humility, seeking to love and obey God. And as he reveals himself to us, it'll be in a personal way so that we don't just know about him, but that we know him personally for the sake of our own good, because he is good, because he is life-generating. In him there is only life. He comes to us on the basis of grace, helping us understand him in order to give us life. And so this is not just this book, the introduction of the Holy Spirit doesn't aim to just teach us about the Holy Spirit, but to actually introduce us to the person of the Holy Spirit who cultivates holiness in our lives. So the outcome, the plan, the hope, the outcome of the study of this book is the cultivation of holiness, growth in Jesus, a deepening of our walk in faith, a deepening of our love. Because as we invite him to come and help us understand him, he comes in and he makes our hearts his home. And then he cultivates our hearts and cultivates the image of Jesus in our hearts. So that's what the introduction is all about. So we have to have courage as we move forward. Are you willing to come with humility and submission as you seek to understand the person of the Holy Spirit? That's the introduction. In the next episode, we'll talk about um, my primary sources or our primary sources for understanding the Holy Spirit as scripture and doctrine. Uh, So stay tuned and we'll talk about that. This is Dr. Matt Ayers, your host of Seminary Unboxed and the president of Wesley Biblical Seminary, where we train trusted leaders for faithful churches.